to, uh, to Wellhouse. My name is Steve Cunningham. I get to be the lead pastor here. If you're joining us online, welcome. We're really excited. Um, I will give you one bit of update for us. Uh, we are not going to have the uh, worship and baptism service tonight, uh, mainly because it was outside and it's going to be raining all day. So y'all would be baptized. Uh, I mean, maybe, and maybe you need that. I don't know. Um, <laughs> my wife would say I do. Uh, so, uh, but uh, we're going to do that Wednesday night. Wednesday night, 6 o'clock, same place, same thing. We're just changing it a couple of nights. We'd love to have you come out. We know there's a couple of people who are already, uh, they, they just, they're ready to take that next step. And if that's you too, then welcome. But even if you're not, uh, you want to come out and just have a good time of worship. Like I, I grew up going to church camp. Uh, and there's something about like sitting around a fire, you know, and worshiping that you just feel some kind of connection that's deeper, right? It, it's, it's kind of the, you unplug from all the, the phone stuff and all the other things and, and you get to worship. So come on out this Wednesday, not tonight, the, uh, uh, next, this coming Wednesday. We'd love to have you. We just finished last week a series. We kind of were walking through really uh, this idea of who God is, and it's important to understand who God is before we understand who we are. And so we walk through really who God is, and then because of that, what we feel called to do as a church. And you heard me mention this a lot over the last seven weeks together, and you'll hear me mention it again a lot over the next uh, years, upcoming years together, because I think it's vitally important to who we are, and if we miss it, if we miss it, we miss everything, and that is this. Our biggest prayer, our greatest joy, our most significant mission should be to help others find a transforming relationship with God. Um, that's the thing that, that we're the most excited about, the most passionate about. There's lots of cool stuff we can do. There's lots of great ways to serve, and there's lots of awesome ministry opportunities and, and different things like that. And we always have, our worship team always does a great job and, and all those things. But the thing that, that it all boils down to for us is helping other people find a transforming relationship with God. And we do that through really three ways. The, the first way is belong to family, that we've learned that before you become, you belong. And that's how God uh, handled his people from the very beginning. I don't know if you know this or not, if you know much about the Old Testament or not, but God chose a group of people, and long before he gave them the Ten Commandments, he had a relationship with them, that they belonged to him before they became more like him. And that's true here, that, that our goal is to help people belong to a family, we do that through many different ways, through small groups and times together and learning to build those relationships uh, with each other, but also not just belong to family, but to bless our community. That we know that, that Jesus said he came to not to be served, but to serve and to give his life. And, and that's the same is true for us, that we look around and we see opportunities to bless those around us and we want to participate in those. And last, but certainly not least, it's, it's what we're all about is to become more like Jesus. That's our end goal. That's what we want to do more than anything else is to become more like Jesus every day. And we talked about being uh, a, a group of people that is committed 
to sharing this Jesus method. And it is, I'll tell you, it's a scary time and place to do that. I don't know about you, but even as a pastor, sometimes I feel a little intimidated in conversations or a little intimidated in our world when it comes to sharing my faith and and how people are going to respond to me. Uh, it's always interesting on a plane. I'm going to be flying out here in a couple of weeks. Uh, I do every year to get together with a group of people. We call it preacher camp, which sounds super lame. I know, like... We don't know what else to call it, um, but it's, it's great. We'll fly out, and inevitably, if you're on a plane and you're sitting next to somebody, there's always like, what do you do for a living? And the second I say like, oh, I'm a pastor, they're like, conversation done, right? I mean, it's like over. Um, I get it. It's, it's hard to share your faith, especially in our current world, and so this series that we're entering into now is all really about how to do that. That if we're called to, to help people find a transforming relationship with God, that kind of starts with you. And that starts with me. It starts with people who are willing to say, you know, listen, I, I know God has transformed me and I think he can transform you too. I believe in that. And I believe in a God who can change current situations and circumstances. And I want to let you know my story, but it's hard. And so we called the series Stepping Out because it takes a leap of faith. It kind of feels like that, you know, you're in a plane and it's like, man, that's a big leap. It, it, I was thinking about this this week as I was watching this video, and I kind of watched it over and over again. And I thought to myself, like, Steve, would you ever be the guy who would jump out of a plane? And the answer to that is no. <laughs> I would never be that guy. Not, I mean, you'd have to drug me. Uh, and probably then also, yeah, knock me in the head and push me out. That's about the only way it's going to happen. But I thought about this. What's the difference between a passenger and a skydiver? I mean, hopefully a parachute, but, um, but other than a parachute, right, it's a step. Until they actually step out of the plane, they're just a passenger. And I thought to myself, like, I wonder if there's like a spiritual connection to that. Like, like it's, it's safe to sit in the seats, right? It's safe to like be at home and have your belief. But the, the difference between that and like really truly changing the world is a step and it's a bold step and it's a big step, but it's an important step. But see, there are, I think, some common enemies that you and I have that typically keep us held back from doing those things. And so over the next few weeks together, we're going to talk about how God actually prepares us. We're going to be looking at the story of Joshua over the next uh, several weeks together and how Joshua was, God had brought him along to help him lead this group of people into the promised land and, and take over the promised land. But it wasn't easy. It came with a lot of challenges. There was, there was a lot of things that he had to go through. Uh, but today I want to talk about three enemies of, of bold faith. Because if you're like most people, uh, you probably don't see yourself as somebody who has bold faith. Maybe at one point in time you did, uh, and then something happened and it kind of, uh, it ruined that for you. Or maybe you just look around and you see other people and you're like, well, 
you know, the pastor has bold faith or this, this spiritual giant has bold faith, but I don't have bold faith. And what I've found in my life, maybe this is true for you, or you could probably add some more things to this list. But for me, I've kind of found three uh, enemies of bold faith, and they may ring true for you too. Self-doubt, fear, and comfortability. Self-doubt, fear, and comfortability. And a lot of times that kind of comes back to the self-doubt. It's like, you know, I, it's not always that I don't think I have the capability. It's like, I don't think God wants to use me in that way. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure that I have the gifting for that. It's, I remember the first time somebody was like, um, it, this happened when I was 19 years old. Uh, a guy in our church was like, hey, listen, you would be perfect to work with the junior high kids. And I was like, I think you're talking to the wrong dude. Uh, like, I don't think I'm perfect for that at all. Now, uh, if, if you want me to do something else, great, but I'm not in for that, right? There's a lot of self-doubt there. And a part of that was actually tied to fear. Like, what happens if I get in and then nobody ever comes to relieve me? What happens if I get in and there is a mutiny, right? And they tie me up and like, I'm there forever, right? I, what happened? I don't know. What if they ask me a question and it's like, super complicated, and I look like a fool, right? And then, like, what happens then? And I don't know, and so I'd really rather not. And part of that is tied into this comfortability thing. It's like, I'm okay to say it if it's in my wheelhouse. Like, I'll say yes if it's in my wheelhouse, or I'll say yes if I like it, or I'll say yes if it involves, like, my circle of friends. But if it's outside of my comfortability, and I don't think I can take a big step of faith, I want to tell you a story, but before I tell you the story, before I read it together, in fact, the, if you have your Bible, you can open up to Numbers, and if you have the Version Bible app, don't forget you can check us out on the events. It has all of the notes from today's message and the scriptures there and all that stuff too. We're going to be reading in Numbers chapter 14, but before we get to that, I want to set the stage for you. Remember that God had chosen his people to this guy named Abram, Abram, who would later be called Abraham. And he said, I'll bless you. I'm going to make all nations bless through you. And he calls them his people. And they, they, they start to grow. And it's wonderful. But eventually over time, because of their growth and because of their numbers and because they're seen as a threat, the, the Egyptians wind up holding them as slaves. They're slaves for a long time. And eventually God brings them out of slavery through a guy named Moses. If you're familiar with the Old Testament, you're probably familiar with the name Moses. And Moses helps bring or deliver his people out of Egypt. They cross the Red Sea through this miracle of God. And they start on their way to a promised land. It's the land that God had even promised Abram way back in the day. But along the way, there's challenges. Along the way, there's difficulties. And in fact, what we read in Numbers chapter 13 is that, that God, as he's preparing them to go into the promised land, he says, listen, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take 12 people and I want them to go and scout out the land and, and come back and give a report to everybody else about what they see there. So they did. They gathered 12 people and they went and they, they went to go look at the land. They came back, they gave their report and they're like, listen, this place is unbelievable. I mean, you have never seen anything like this place ever. 
And the land is flowing with milk and honey, which is weird for us. But let's just put it like the land was like rich. It was wonderful. It was everything that they could have possibly desired. But here's the problem. People that live there, we can't, we can't touch them. I mean, they're huge. They're massive. They're warriors. And there's just no way we're going to be able to take this land. Oh, yeah, I can see why God would want us to have it because it's amazing. But we see the challenges that lie ahead, and there is no way in the world that we're going to be able to do this. In their own words, in their own words, it was not attainable. In their own words, they said, we can't. Numbers chapter 14, if you're there, verse 1, this is what it says. After the report was given, this is the fallout. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. Oh, it sounds beautiful. We can't do it. That stinks. And all the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, if we had only died in Egypt... Or in the wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and our children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? They all said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to slavery. Like, listen, this is not going to happen. We'd been better as slaves. We'd have better never even started this journey in the first place. Then Moses and Aaron fell uh, face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly that had gathered there. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes, and they said to the whole Israelite assembly. Now, these are two of the 12 people. Here's what's really interesting to yourself. Did you know, if you're not a, like a Bible scholar, read this many times, that they actually list every person who who was the 12, one of the 12 tribes to go look at the land. They list them all 12. But most people can only list two names, Joshua and Caleb. In fact, those are the two names who said, like, we can do it. We got this. They had the biggest faith that they were the two who everybody ignores. You don't remember their names. Let that sink in for just a moment. This is what they said. The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he'll lead us into that land. A land flowing with milk and honey and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. and Don't be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is, go is gone, but the Lord is with us. So don't be afraid of them. I don't know about you, but that's a, when you're surrounded by a group of people and there's 10 other people who are like, we can't do it. The whole assembly is like, we can't do it. We might as well have gone back. We might as well have died in the wilderness. We might as well pick a new leader because this isn't going to work out. To be one of two people who stands up and says, hey, listen, I think we can do this. I, I think all we have to do is trust in God and he's going to take care of us. That takes huge, big, bold faith. And I don't know about you, but I, when I read that sentence, I think, man, there's so many times in my life where I don't have that kind of bold faith. I wish I did. I've been around people who did, but I'm not always sure that that seems like that's me. That's my default. 
And so I've thought to myself before, like, what, what develops a faith like that? Like, how did Joshua get to the point where he, he had that kind of bold faith? And I remember this story, and I don't know, I don't know if this is true, but I, I have to think it's true that there's some words that stuck out to Joshua along the way that really, truly prepared him for courageous faith. I think it's found in, in Exodus chapter 17. So if you have your Bible, flip on over there. We want to read that really quick as well. It's this short little story. And in fact, what it is, is that it's, it, they just, the Israelites just crossed the Red Sea. They're just, they're just kind of figuring things out. I mean, they just ran away from uh, over 400 years of slavery. They, they just got away from the Egyptians. They just crossed the Red Sea. They're really trying to gather their bearings about them. And this is what it says in Exodus chapter 17, starting in verse eight. The Amalekites, there's a history there. This is, this is a long history of hatred. This is a long history of people who looked at the Israelites with disdain and disgust. They see them coming out of the Red Sea, and the first thing that they do is they attack them. Verse 9 says of this, Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go fight the Amalekites. And tomorrow I'll stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses and Aaron and Hur went to the top of the hill. And as long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. So when Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and they put it under him. And he sat on it. And then Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on each side. So his hands remained steady until sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Pay attention to this next verse. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it because I'll completely blot out the name of, the Amalek, uh, of Amalek from under heaven. It's interesting to me that a part of what, what God does through Moses is to say, listen, I need you to not only write this down, but there's somebody who's going to need to hear it because there's some more stuff that's going to happen. They're going to run into the Amalekites again. They don't completely destroy them here. Joshua knows there's more to come. And so he fights this battle and he sees what God does through this, this miracle, if you want to, if you, you call it that, I would call it that, that, that as Moses lifts his hands, the Israelites are winning, but as he lowers them, then they're losing and and then Joshua is reminded of, like, listen, this is important. You need to pay attention. You need to understand what happened here. And so he holds on to that. And he moves forward with that. It's important for Joshua, in the, in the words of God, to hear this message and allow it to sink in. Because I think in order sometimes to step out in faith, we need to be reminded of what God has done in the past. 
See, the truth for you and I, even though we go through hard things, difficult situations, challenging stuff that seems so mounting at the time, there's so much pressure on every side, it seems like we can't get out of it. The truth is that if we stop for a minute and take another perspective, we can see the way that God has been faithful to us in the past. See, there's been times I'm quite confident that God has healed you or delivered you, or saved you. Times that God, God has guided or directed you in certain ways, and you look, but you couldn't see it at the time, but now you look back and you're like, oh man, I appreciate the way that he guided me here. He directed my steps in this, in this path. That there's times that God brought you through some difficult situations. You didn't know how you're going to survive it. You didn't know how you're going to see yourself out of it. But you look back in the past, you realize that, that God brought you through that. Some of those were even like church stuff. <laughs> you, were, you were seeking God in the middle of that, and it was church drama or church stuff or church hurt, whatever it was. And God brought you even out of that. The situations and relationships, and God brought you out of that. God's brought you out of financially hard times relationship difficulties, times where you doubted yourself and doubted others, and sometimes in the middle of big moments where you're feeling the most pressure around you, you need to stop for just a moment and remember the times where God was faithful to you. But here's the beauty that I love about the scriptures is that God doesn't just use perfect people in perfect situations. I love that all of the heroes of faith, it's messy stories. <laughs> it's not perfect people. It's people who you see their, their humanness. And yet God uses them anyway. And what that reminds me of in this idea of stepping out in faith and that God has prepared us for something is that God can use both your setbacks and your successes to prepare you for his purpose in sharing your faith. I know that's true for me. I'll tell you this. Some of the things I've been through in my life have been some of the biggest hurts some of the deepest wounds, some of the things I might have the most regrets about and, and, and the things where I feel like, man, I wish nobody knew about that at all. Those are the areas that God time and time again has, has helped me use that so that other people can have a degree of hope. See, I think there's a false understanding that when we share our faith, it has to look perfect. And I don't believe that's true. I believe that God can use the times where you fell flat on your face and the times where things worked out well to help other people find their faith in their life. See, I think that's true of the heroes of faith. I don't know if you spent much time reading the stories and probably if we sat down at coffee together and I'd ask you like, all right, in the Bible, who's your favorite character other than Jesus? And you might tell me somebody from the Old Testament or somebody from the New Testament. We could probably look at their life and we would see great steps of faith, but we would also see some huge blunders as well. 
And that's because heroes of faith aren't people with perfect stories or perfect faith. They're simply willing to take a next step wherever God leads them. See, that's the difference between being the passenger and the skydiver, right? It's not always pretty. It doesn't always look great. They're just willing to take the step out of the boat. They're just willing to take the next step wherever God leads them, even when they don't know, even if they don't know what the next few steps are going to be. That's the difference in faith. A couple of months ago, I gathered up a group of people uh, a group of guys, six guys here at Wellhouse, and I talked to them uh, about this idea that I had, and, and I laid out some crazy expectations. You can ask them. It's like this whole page of like, I'm committing to this. I'm in 100%. I'm willing to share my story and the good, the bad, the really ugly and over the last couple of months together and sharing the whole idea is that, that God would grow us, that God would, would work in our lives, that God would transform hard things, maybe loosen some boundaries and help us to see in our lives and other lives that God is continuing to work and does work. And one of the things that I noticed as we sat around and shared our stories together is that we've all been through some significant pain. And as each person would share their story and we would listen and ask questions, it dawned on me that these stories were influencing me in my faith. That it was truly their, their pain, their experiences, their grief, their heartache was actually helping me have a deeper faith in God because I was seeing what God could redeem in every story. And here's what I believe is true for you is that no matter where your story is today, if it feels like it's in the pit, if it feels like it's rocky, if it feels like, man, I don't want to be here, I believe that we serve a God who can redeem anything. Are you with me, church? That God can redeem anything. It doesn't matter where you are or what you've done or where you've been. We serve a God who is about redemption and reconciliation. And so if you count yourself out, if you self-doubt that, man, God can't use me for big things, I, I can't share my faith because I have messed up a million times and you're full of self-doubt or you're full of fear, like people could see through me, I'm not the right person. You're struggling with comfortability. Just, God, if you just leave me alone for a while and let me swim in the shallow end. I've been through a lot. I was in over my head and I just wanna stay where it's safe for a little bit. And what I wanna challenge you is this. Never, never, never waste your pain because it may be someone else's greatest message of hope. The places that were the darkest for you may be a reminder to somebody else that there is a God who is living and active and they need to hear your story. The, 
the good, the bad, the ugly. They need to know that there's a God who's willing to jump in the middle of the mess and save what feels like is completely broken. And it's true today. So here's the thing is you're willing or thinking about or not sure you're willing or just trying to figure out what step to take next because it feels so heavy and big right now. Then may this blessing speak over you today in this moment and over the next few moments and over the next few hours and days and weeks. May the Lord bless you and keep you May the Lord make his face shine on you and give you peace. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling and present you before his glorious presence without fault and with tremendous joy. May you be swept away in God's love for you. Transformed through the Holy Spirit's power within you. Thanks be to the only God, our Savior, who is unparalleled and unchanging, who is, who is matchless and merciful, who's supreme and sufficient, who's before all things and through all things and in all things, both now and forever. Would you stand with us as we continue in worship?